play action for Kirk from under center, straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen, caught at the five. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Miles and Ryan join me on the show two weeks into NFL free agency. At this point in the offseason, it's pretty clear that Minnesota's biggest move was a departure. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs traded to the Buffalo Bills, but Stephon isn't the only athlete who no longer wears purple. Defensive tackle Linball Joseph Cut, he's now on to the Chargers. Cornerbacks Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and Mackenzie Alexander all gone. Two of them are now on the Bengals. Offensive guard Josh Klein and tight end David Morgan cut. Defensive end Everson Griffin made his goodbye official. And Stephen Weatherly heads to Carolina. Safety Andrew Sandejo on the Browns. Safety Jaron Curse on the Detroit Lions. The hits just kept on coming. Outside of moves to retain their quarterback, specialist, and fullback, Minnesota didn't do much to stop the bleeding. We've got defensive tackle Michael Pierce and wide receiver Tajay Sharp. They made a few other moves not really worth mentioning right now. So I gave my thoughts on the Michael Pierce signing on last week's show. Y'all are encouraged to go back and listen to that one. But for this episode, we're starting Sharp with Tajay, the former Tennessee Titan, and our own wide receiver expert, Miles Gorham. Miles, please, my man, tell me things are going to be okay and walk us through the details <laughs> of Tajay Sharp in purple. Yeah, well, to say things are going to be okay is a. I, I can't really get on board with that just yet. Uh, I think we still need to see a few moves, a few dominoes to fall before I can really feel any sort of comfort. Um, I think the, the signing of Tajay Sharp uh, today is a, is a good move for the team. I think. They needed wide receiver depth in general, and they don't have a lot of money to do it. So getting a guy who's young and Tajay Sharp, who showed who showed promise um, in his time in Tennessee, um, probably had one of his better seasons this last year, even being like the wide receiver three, wide receiver four on the Tennessee Titans. He had a, a decent season. He had four touchdowns, about 400 yards. Uh, it's nothing special, but I think um, there's some untapped potential that through some injuries and such that he hasn't really been able to hit in Tennessee. Um, the Vikings got him on basically the a veteran minimum type of deal. So I think there's a few benefits there. He won't count against the comp. He shouldn't count against the comp pick formula, which I think everybody loves to, to talk about nowadays. You know, the, the Vikings lost a lot of uh, free agents. So I think anybody that they bring in, if they can get him at a decent rate, they won't count against that formula. So that's good. But in terms of like his abilities, uh, Taze Sharp uh, coming out of, of, of UMass, uh, in 2016, he was a good. He was. He's a really good route runner. Uh, he's a good physical receiver. He's good off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's not a blazer. He's not. He's a. You know, ran a four five five. He's about six one. A little bit of a slender frame. But like I said, he's got good hands. He's really reliable in that. He's a good route runner, and he can he can create separation. So I think 
for a guy like Kirk Cousins, um, who has, you know, he'll throw to anybody. It feels like it, it, if they're in his progression, he's going to throw it to him. It doesn't really matter. But um, guys that can create instant and early separation goes a long way for Kirk Cousins because we know that he doesn't like to take as many chances all the time. So if guys that guys that he can see get open quickly, um, those are going to be effective um, with him and in this offense. So I think Sharp fits in that. We can't replace Stephon Diggs. There's no way to do that. All they can do is try to put pl- uh, pieces in place to help recover what they're going to lose out of one person and, and probably siphon that into multiple players. And Sharp fits into that just because he's going to see some of those targets. Like So what I said, what he brings to the table is that separation ability, really good hands, um, and ability to run good routes. And that's, that's important in this offense. Was in a similar offense in Tennessee um, and with Matt LaFleur and uh, a run-heavy offense as well. So he's used to kind of being in two to three wide receiver sets with a lot of tight ends and offensive linemen and fullbacks on the field. So that's a, there's a familiarity there. The, the scheme and the, um, the system in itself and the verbiage should be pretty similar to him too, should be familiar. So that shouldn't be too much of a jump. So I'm sure that was a, a play into why he chose Minnesota. And then lastly, so where the Vikings sit wide receiver wise, I mean, it's Adam Thielen and then it falls off a cliff. So, I mean, BC Johnson's a nice depth receiver. Um, he had a decent rookie season as a seventh round pick, but the upside isn't really all that high for him. And if he, I mean, if he develops, that's great. Um, but to bank on that is kind of a risky move, uh, especially since him, Thielen, and now Tajay Sharp all kind of fit into a similar mold in the fact that none of them are really true deep threats. Adam Thielen has shown that he can be a deep threat, but I don't think his primary skill set, and especially within this offense, is to be that primary deep threat. He's the kind of guy that works really well in the short to, in the short to intermediate game, really good in the slot. He's physical. He's a good blocker. He's that guy that, like you saw in the offense last year, they want to kind of get him moving around a little bit and letting him do the run those uh, deep over routes run the um, the out routes, all that stuff, all the quicker and intermediate routes. So then they had Stephon Diggs, who was running a lot of the deep posts, go routes, deep comebacks, deep curl routes, all the routes that uh, deep uh, in routes, like all the routes that you're looking at for somebody to kind of help stretch the field a little bit, to get a little bit more vertical, to have a little bit more of an explosive passing game down the field, threaten the defense down the field. Tajay Sharp doesn't do that for this offense. Another thing that this offense is missing in the receiver room when they lose digs is they lose that explosive playmaker down the field. And no, Tajay Sharp does not fit that. Um, but I think he can be a guy to kind of come in and um, he can move around the offense. He can play multiple positions. He can run in the slot. He can work, work from the outside. So I think bringing him in as a depth receiver is really good. But where I'm, my issue is, is technically right now he's the wide receiver too. And if the season were to start next week, <laughs> I would have a, a major major issue. Uh, if you want to be a, a good football team, a consistent playoff football team, Tajay Sharp as your wide receiver too just isn't that for me. I think if he was your if if Stephon Diggs was still here and they made this signing, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be say, hey, they're finally filling their depth at receiver. Uh, good competition for BC Johnson. They can go into the draft and still address it, but it's not as much of a dire need. It's a dire need. Like this is a position that the offense need, and I know they're still a run-heavy offense, but they need guys that can stretch the field. They need guys that can get vertical, that can that can take a a five or ten yard play and and hit and and take it take it to the house. They need those guys, and they're missing that in the passing game. Adam Thielen's 
obviously the the elite receiver in the room still. So that's obviously a positive. But if you're a defense, your main focus is going to be on him. And so, like, yeah, I know guys like Irv Smith, um, Kyle Rudolph, they sprinkle in and they they have their roles. But again, none of those guys are threatening defenses down the field. So where my issue is, or where I view what the direction of the receiver room needs to go is, since they let some of the other guys in free agency go that they either didn't want to pay for or couldn't afford that were deep threats, they need to make sure that in the draft, that's something that they really look to address and find in that niche role. It doesn't have to be like a guy that's just like a straight burner. Like there's a, like there's different guys that, that can fit this skill set of being vertical threats. It's just making sure that they have a guy that can stretch the field a little bit more um, and, be dyna- and be dynamic in that way. Um, but back to Tajay Sharp, again, he fits the system. He fits uh, Kirk Cousins' style. So I, I think he's a good fit for what this team needs and, and an added depth. So, I'm, I mean, I like, I like the move for the simple fact that they got him for really cheap. He's young. He's uh, still trying to prove himself. It's a nice little prove-it deal. And he should get every opportunity to kind of see the field a lot. So um, I'll be curious to see what, uh, what kind of happens next and how they approach the draft. But to me, that, that position is still a, a dire need of finding somebody early in the draft, probably two guys in the draft. Well, Ryan, there you have it. Miles thinks it's a need. We know that the Vikings don't really pass a ball as much as we would like them to. We saw them suffer when Adam Thielen went down last year. But key part here is that when Adam Thielen was healthy, he actually played a higher percent of snaps than Stefan Diggs did when they were both on the field. On top of that, we still have Mike Hughes and Holton Hill as our cornerbacks. We still have Drew Samia and Pat Elfline as our guards. So after the Tajay Sharp signing, what is the biggest need on the Minnesota Vikings right now? Taking a look at it, you can really go either way. Both of the position groups are definitely lacking of depth and talent. Uh, But I'm going to go with cornerback here. And the main reason being it is the most important position on a defense to have one high quality talent and two, have depth, and we just don't have that. If you take a look at our depth chart and who's on roster right now, we have Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd. Those are the people that actually have played in real NFL games. We also have Marcus Sales. I believe he came from um, the CFL. We have Mark Fields, who I think actually did get in for a couple snaps last year in, in, in some garbage time. And Kaman Hall and Nate Meters, who, unfortunately, I don't even really know who they are. I know Nate Meters was a camp body for us last year. Nate Meters played last year. Did he year. play some last year? No, he played in games last year. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> he played against the Packers week two. Sure, I don't even remember that. Yeah. So, again, you know, but you're looking at guys that, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the, the most qualified and best, you know, uh, NFL guy in the world. But if I haven't heard of them, they're probably not um, a high quality and, and reliable piece. Uh, so so taking a look at that, I, I struggle with not having more depth here. I struggle with some of the decisions or lack thereof of the talent that's currently out there. We have missed out on Mackenzie Alexander on a relatively cheap deal who gave us every opportunity to bring him back, and we chose not to. 
again, maybe there's just some irreconcilable differences or maybe we were concerned about health or whatever it might be. Uh, but to get a quality corner, a known commodity of what we know of him for $4 million uh, or maybe a tad more to, to make it worth it for him uh, is quite disappointing. And then the news that we found out today where Roby Coleman received a deal from the Eagles for $1.3 million. And that fact that we apparently, according to Doogie, were in on him but we didn't want to pay that much money. And for a quality corner in, who's proven to have quality reps in this league in a position of need, nickel cornerback, that, in my opinion, that's just unacceptable. However, we'll believe in what the front office is doing and hope that they have some bigger plans for that position group. And, and, and luckily, this is a draft that does have some high-quality talent in it. So I, I believe that we're going to continue to take a look at, at the draft prospects. Again, there are a lot of them in the first two to three rounds that can be had for high quality talent. Uh, but also there are some other veterans out there that I think we really do need to take a look at because even though we do have some, again, talent at Mike Hughes and, and Holton Hill, um, they are young players. And I think we need a veteran voice in that room. Uh, some guys that interest me are uh, Prince of Mukamara. He often, I feel like, gets overlooked or overshadowed. He recently was with the Bears, um, had a couple of quality years with them, working opposite of uh, Kyle Fuller. And, and I think he could bring a good veteran voice into that room and provide some stability on one side of that, uh, of that cornerback duo there. Um, another guy I, I'm intrigued by is Ronald Darby. Uh, he, he comes in, again, had a couple high-quality years early in his career with Buffalo, um, gets traded to the Eagles, and, and I'm not sure if it's just injuries or if it's just a lack of desire to be great or, um, or what it is, or maybe it's the scheme and coaching, but he's had a couple rough years over with the Philadelphia Eagles, and um, hopefully you'd be able to get a guy like him, still pretty young at 26, but, uh, you know, the talent was there at one point. So maybe bring him in on a cheaper deal um, and see what he has left in the tank. Um, and then another similar guy uh, would be Tremaine Johnson. Again, a guy who, who struggled mightily with the Jets after receiving a massive contract. But I, I can't imagine just all that talent and, and, and skill that he had prior to joining the Jets just went away completely. Again, I, I hear there's work ethic issues. I hear that there's, you know, maybe it was scheme a little bit. Who knows? But to bring somebody like that in on a cheap deal, I feel like could bring value for us as, a, as an organization. In worst case scenario, you know, they sit on the bench or you cut them after, after camp if it's not working out. Um, so, so, again, to, to wrap this up, taking a look at that cornerback room right now, it's pretty bleak. Um, again, we all have high hopes for Holton Hill. Can he stay out of trouble? You know, obviously, weed is now legal um, in the NFL, apparently. So uh, it's not so much worrying about that. But his only misstep in the NFL actually has been for PED, not for weed. So uh, that's something to take a look at. Mike Hughes, again, solid player when healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. So um, we have some concerns there that we need to uh, get some depth for. You know, I hear you, Ryan. And cornerback definitely a need but just with all these free agents that we're discussing here 
I mean, all three of these positions, cornerback, they refused to pay Mackenzie Alexander $4 million. They refused to go anywhere above vet minimum for Nikel Roby Coleman. Wide receiver, they just signed Tajay Sharp. I mean, Stephon Diggs was a deal at $11 million per year for a wide receiver that talented. And they instead, you know, trade him, bring in Tajay Sharp at the vet minimum. And then offensive line, they approach Josh Klein, very solid player. And he's making slightly, you know, he's making good, but not great starter money on the low end of starter money for offensive guards. And they go to him and tell him that he's making too much too. So at what point do we just realize that they're not going to sign any of these veterans for anything above the minimum and that they're looking to the draft to fill all these holes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that does make sense. Um, and, and that very well may be the case. And, and maybe we do need to come to terms with that. But again, the inner fan slash I think I can GM because I'm a super fan slash, you know, whatever you want to call it um, in me thinks, you know, we it will be beneficial to beneficial to bring in somebody uh, some sort of veteran presence at, at minimum to provide some sort of direction for these young guys. Those guys though, that well, my worry is, is they're not going to be, they're not going to come veteran minimum cheap. And Logan Ryan's another guy I like too, but um, again, those guys aren't going to go veteran minimum cheap. So though we're looking at the Vikings picking up what, what PJ Williams. I, I, I don't know at this point, like who, who they'd pick up um, in free agency if they're not willing to go even 1.5 million for Nickel Roby Coleman. So uh, I just I'm kind of just perplexed in a situation of where 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 are they going with the cornerback position? And I, if they want to make it the draft, that's fine. But my issue is all three of your cornerbacks currently are all unproven, all young. One's injured. One one has had a lot of injuries so far in the NFL. Uh, one guy has barely played any snaps in Chris Boyd, and the other guy's been um, in and out of the lineup because of suspension. Um, but there's upside, but at the same time, you just don't know what you have. So going into the next season at a arguably the most important position on defense with a lot of unknown is really, really scary. And I'm not even saying some of these veterans are going to be anything to write home about. They're not like going to give you like a whole bunch of confidence. It's just more about having someone that has done it even at a high level or like a, you know, a pretty decently solid level to have some of that confidence in some of these guys to know that they can pick up the defense and they can kind of help mentor a little bit. So I think that's just where my issue lies right now with the fact that they don't seem to be willing to even shell out $2 million for a, a, a an above average nickel cornerback. Well, you know things are bad when we're at the point of the offseason, we're trying to bring Xavier Rhodes back, and we're not even sure that he should come back. <laughs> right. We do, have, we do have quite a bit of draft picks, though. We've got 12 or 13 draft picks in the 2020 draft next month. We've got five picks in the first 105 overall, five picks in the first three rounds. So, yeah, we have a lot of holes, but Miles, do you think that the draft can fill all these roster holes? No, and and that's the that's the question is like 
at what like the whole point of free agency is to help fill fill positional holes that you have so that when you go into the draft you can truly take best player available and i understand that like that's not always possible in free agency you have to get you do need to get players to agree to come to come to your team you have to have the money to be able to do it um there are multiple things that go into this situation but to me the in the ideal situation like Yes, we know that we know that wide receiver is in a is a is a, it's a deep draft this year at wide receiver. We know it's a pretty deep draft at offensive tackle and cornerback. So those are good things. Like the Vikings have needs there, they should address those needs in the draft. And but the but the issue lies, you can't just go into the draft expecting those all of those players to come in and start and be heavy contributors for you. Yes, you're going to need rookies to step up and play and be good for you, but. The whole, the whole idea is to, to not have that year one expectation be that high, especially at important positions like cornerback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, um, offensive line in general. Like Those are all really hard, difficult positions to transition in, into the NFL, and the Vikings are just going to expect that those guys are going to be early contributors. And we've seen throughout all of Mike Zimmer's tenure in Minnesota, young cornerbacks, don't they take time to develop in his system. Mike Hughes was an exception, but then he got hurt. So we never got to see, truly see what that was going to look like. So that, so the, there's that obvious worry there. Wide receiver is something that, um, outside of Diggs, you haven't seen a, and BC Johnson a little bit last year, but you truly haven't seen like a, someone come in and have a, a heavy major impact at the wide receiver position since Diggs. And then before Diggs, it was likely Percy Harvin. So it's been a lot, like the Vikings haven't really had a, a track record of early success from their from those two positions and then offensive line wise I think Brian O'Neill and Garrett Bradbury to some degree and then even Pat Alfine to some degree all those guys have had some success but they were both you could tell they were pretty overmatched as rookies um, obviously Brian O'Neill um, has continued to progress and has looked really good in year two which is great and you hope your three is even better same with Garrett Bradbury you hope your two is better but you can't like to bank on that in year one um, with multiple positions of extreme importance, I just I struggle with with that. So I, I'm I'm just not sure how to how to handle that. I and I I think at least with wide receiver, I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing, especially with the money situation after um, Diggs um, Diggs wanted out and the, the trade happened because they are such a run heavy offense. They don't believe that they need wide receiver to be as integral um, early on, or at least as they don't need that. They don't need to spend top dollar on it, but they need to address it. In wide, they need to address it in the draft. They need to address it early, and they need to find somebody that can stretch the field. So, I, I just worry about what the direction is. I'm all for the long term goal um, in year, you know, in two years, and year, you know, 2021, 2022. I have no issues with like this being a, another new core of the Vikings. Uh, team to go along with like Daniel Hunter, Eric Hendricks, you know, some of those guys that are still, you know, quasi young. But the issue comes is like, what happens in 2020? Because they didn't extend Kirk Cousins to be non-competitive in 2020. At least that's what my expectation isn't. You know, you, why why would you extend him? Why not let him play it out if, you're, if your plan is to make this year a, a you know, a, a kind of a semi-rebuild year? So that, I just don't know what really the true direction is right now. Ryan, is this a rebuild? I honestly, I, I have no idea. Um, the 
when you take a look at some of the moves we've made, it, it looks like it might be. And then you go and extend Kirk Cousins, and it's absolutely uh, a move that doesn't scream that. You take a look at you know the the Pierce signing, which again I'm not even a, like against it. I I think it's a good move. I think he's a quality player. Um, however, that doesn't scream that you're looking for a rebuild. If you if you're trying to rebuild, then you know let Stefan play in that role and take a look to see what you have in Jaleel Johnson and Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mataafa um, and Armand Watts. Uh, but you're going out and making moves, but and then you're. So it says that you're not looking for a rebuild, but and then you can't go and spend $1.5 million on a quality nickel cornerback in Roby Coleman. Or, you know, you, you know you're signing Tajay Sharp, uh, I, I, which is, again, I think a solid move. But, you know, if you're, if you're screaming to go and try to win, why not push the envelope a little bit, even though we're tight for money, and, and go in on a you know, Brashad Perriman or uh, Robbie Anderson or something like that, that can fill the void, try to fill the void of the deep threat that we're missing with digs. So, so you take a look at some of the moves we're making and it just really, it's the biggest mystery I think I've ever had to think about when I've been watching, uh, since I've been an NFL football fan, I, I cannot figure out what we're doing at all. Well, I think most fans are at, that point with this Vikings offseason. I think most are eager for the next Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer press conference to hear it from their mouths on what the hell is going up, up in Egan, up at the TCO Performance Center. But I do have one theory, if y'all will bear with me. And it actually starts with the Kirk extension through 2022. He's got $45 million in that contract in his last year. And no one really thinks that he'll see that full amount. He'd have to he'd have to win us the Super Bowl to get all of that. Then I started looking at these other pedestrian deals, all these secondary options, fullback CJ Ham, kicker Dan Bailey, punter Britton Colquitt, even the Michael Pierce signing, they're all through 2022. And the Vikings, for the more premium positions in the past, they looked for longer contracts where they could backload the deals. But now they, they stopped doing that this year and they stopped looking at the premium positions in general. I think Kirk is honestly here because if you remember previous rookie quarterbacks here, previous bad quarterbacks, not just rookie quarterbacks or drafted quarterbacks, but when you have a bad quarterback in the NFL – you can't tell you can you can't actually see what talent you have when you have a christian ponder you don't know how good your receivers are you don't know how good your offensive line is when you don't have at least some semblance of a, a defensive roster you can't really tell the stars from the guys who are being dragged down by the rest of the roster so i think they're trying to keep some of the basic more secondary positions in place I think that's number one. And I think number two, what's so special about 2022? I remembered, start thinking about the collective bargaining agreement that just got signed, a bigger share for players, more games, expanded playoffs. And I talked to our cap expert, Ed. He reminded me what impacts the salary cap. Do y'all know what the biggest driver of the salary cap increases are? TV deals. 
Yep. The TV deals, the TV rights, they're up for renewal in 2022. If the NFL can strike a big deal with 17 games and an expanded playoffs, the cap is going to go way up starting 2022. So they have two years here to figure that out. Here's the list of players signed through 2022. It's really all the key guys. You got Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Michael Pierce, Garrett Bradbury, Kyle Rudolph, and Irv Smith Jr. Okay, so some guys like Riley Reef and Harrison Smith, their contracts don't last there as they age. But after that, it's really three main extensions to consider. Dalvin Cook, Brian O'Neill, and Mike Hughes based on what they do this year. And if they can lock those three guys in, you really have a core of talent through 2022. You have next year to find quality free agents before the big cap increase. And you have two years to draft a bunch of players with rookie contracts that'll last into and past 2022, where you'll have more money to actually go out for free agency. So long story short, I think it's a rebuild. I think they're just trying to keep some quality players to make sure they can properly assess talent on the team rather than just playing with a bunch of scrubs. And I think they just had to stop kicking the can down the road because with the cap expanding, it's a good time to pull in the reins. That's just my wild theory. I'm with you. I kind of, I kind of agree. So do you think that the signing of Kirk Cousins essentially is to get us through that period and basically sell tickets until then? Yes, I think that you can't tell how well how well Dalvin Cook is going to hold up unless you have a good quarterback. You can't tell what Tajay Sharp is going to do on a prove-it deal. You can't tell what the new rookie, how good that rookie receiver actually is if you don't have a decent quarterback. You can't tell how Irv Smith is developing if you don't have a quarterback. And now you have two years of these rookies to try to lock in a rookie quarterback. Maybe they don't draft one this year. Maybe they draft it next year. But you've got that rookie guy on a cheap rookie deal right before the cap expands. Yeah, I think that's the a good a good idea. And I think too with the uh I mean, I think every team right now knows to some capacity what how big the the new um, TV deals are going to be. Like they have an idea of what the cap's going to look like in next year and the year after that. I think they have some some idea based off of you could tell by based off of some of the contracts they're doing. There, a lot of them, most even a lot of the teams right now are backloading these contracts so that they're not taking the major hits now because they know that the cap is going to go up significantly in a year in a year two years three years so you can tell that teams are are kind of acting that way as well so i kind of buy the conspiracy theory a little bit well i'm just trying to have a little sliver of hope because we ain't got much else right now (laughs) yep i'm with you what do they do i mean (laughs) again they still have they still have important positions to to address and they, (laughs) they don't really have the money to do it i mean so Here's another not consp- not a conspiracy theory, but a a, a guess. I, I I do expect a, a move to be coming here soon with Anthony Harris, and I do think uh, 
in parallel with that, we'll see a deal for Trent Williams. I think the Vikings are going to make a trade for Trent Williams. Wouldn't they have to extend Trent Williams? Yeah, and I'm assuming like any trade would come with a, like they've already had talks about a contract extension. The Vikings, like Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer talked, one of the main things without even being prompted at the combine was about the offensive line and improving the offensive line. They clearly haven't done that. They've even gotten worse by, by removing Josh Klein. Um, not that they can't. I don't think Josh Klein is so good that you can't replace him. We obviously know that. Um, I think if they can replace him or even bring him back, that's, that's fine. But they need to make a move to improve the offensive line. They, like they even said they prompted themselves to talk about it and say they need to improve it to help Kirk Cousins, to help the run game, to help the team in general. So if they're going to say something like that, they need to go and make a splash move to do it. They obviously haven't done it in free agency, can't do it in free agency. All the, the two top guards, uh, Brandon Scherf, Scherf, however you say his name, and Joe uh, and Thune, they both got tagged. So th- those guys were clearly off the table for them in free agency. The best available, and they couldn't afford Jack Conklin, or they don't plan on moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle. So there's a there's a little bit of that, like like well, how do we? How else can we imp- improve it? Well, we know that Trent Williams is available in a trade. Maybe even Joe Thune is available in a trade with the Patriots for the right price. A lot of that, those dominoes kind of need to fall, but that I think. If they get a deal in place to move Anthony Harris, or if they were to find a trade partner to get Trent Williams, they might even rescind the franchise tag off of Anthony Harris to make sure that they got that deal done. I just spitball in here, but that's kind of where I'm at. Just because I think that they know that they need to improve the offensive line, and they haven't done anything to date to do anything anywhere near that. So that's a that's a move I still expect to come. Yeah, well, I understand where you're coming from. Honestly, I think it's too late for a single move to save this offseason. So I think if they do end up trading Harris, they're just going to sit on that extra cap space or maybe spend it all on Dalvin Cook. But that's just me. I'll be I'll be back to my positive <laughs> self after the draft. Well, if you take a look at uh, Trent Williams trade, if we do decide to make that it. Now, it does probably significantly improve two positions. Uh, we, unless we obviously get rid of Reef in the process, you know, you'd be improving that left tackle. And if you do decide to keep Reef, I don't know if the numbers would work or not, and slide him into a left guard, you assume he could probably be an improvement over a Pat Elfline. And I'm all for having two starting Oklahoma. Uh, offense alignment on our on our team, so uh, I, w- I would love that if obviously Drew Samia shows up here in the offseason and, and, and proves that he's worth it. Oh, so you're just assuming Drew Samia is better than Pat Elfline already? <laughs> oh, I, I know it. I mean, he comes from <laughs> Oklahoma, so yeah, he's definitely better. I, I love it. Well, I think we've had a great show, guys. We talked about what the hell the Vikings are doing, how we're going to fill all these holes that they've created. And, you know, we welcome Tajay Sharp to the Minnesota Vikings. It's good to have at least one new face, a couple of new faces during the 2020 offseason. The next podcast will be more optimistic, y'all. I promise, because we're going to start talking about the 2020 draft. Hold up and home. I know Miles and Ryan are just flipping through these draft prospects every day. So I can't wait to hear their thoughts. We'll look at these team needs again and get the Vikings some young players who are going to shine for us. So 
Until next time, y'all, Skull Vikes. Thank you.